What's going on, Bears fans? Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code Chicago. One two five. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. If you can see that right there. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to Justin Fields' debut season, as the rookie is set to make his first career start this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, which, by the way, the kid has never lost a game in the state of Ohio. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I want to thank you for tuning in to this Week 3 Game Preview episode. I'm very excited to preview this upcoming Bears-Browns matchup for all of you. Here with me today is both my co-hosts. I have Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And Nick, you have a first place hat on and a playoff hat on. Yes, so I had to represent. But then I had Mason over here who tops me with his hat on. So, But yes, I had to represent the White Sox today. (laughs) <laughs> love the hat uh it reminds me of when we went to the white Sox game over in may feels like a lifetime ago already but mason i'm loving the bear attire today literally a bear head on your uh, well on your head well i did say on twitter that we need a little extra juju this week right there's some stuff balls in the air and you know we just need a little extra that flash that flare so i decided to throw this on and it is really hot by the way <laughs> is, are you going to make it the full hour 15 hour and a half that we're going to do this preview you know what? I'm extra motivated today watching that Justin Fields documentary, you know, seeing all the work he's put in. So I think I can survive in the bear suit for the full podcast. Right on. So, fellas, <laughs> before we dive into this preview, I know we're all looking forward to, well, that debut that Justin Fields will be making on Sunday, that first career start. And I know I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, with the starters with some time to actually work with them. I heard in uh, that documentary that Mason, you're talking about uh, that he really does work uh, like to work with receivers and build that chemistry and that comfort. I forget the exact quote. Um, I watched it like a few nights ago. It's like, you know, the more I work with the guy, the more comfortable I get, which makes a lot of sense. 
He didn't get any repetition to really with the starters in preseason nor in training camp. This is so this is his first week of really getting to play with who will be all out there in the field on Sunday. So just for fun's sake and to start things off, I want to know what's your one word, one sentence kind of feeling uh, about Fields making his debut this week. Uh, and I love challenging you guys to be you know concise here because I'm sure we can all ramble and gush about just how amped up we are about this upcoming Sunday. One of those momentous occasions for this franchise, uh, without a doubt. But Nick, how about you? I'll say curious. That's how I'm going to, you know, describe this just to see how Justin Fields handles everything. Uh, obviously it's like the stage. I, I feel like Justin Fields can handle that, but it's now he's the guy he's getting the first team reps all throughout practice this week of practice. And, you know, going back to, to Cleveland, obviously being playing at Ohio state. So there's a lot there and he is a starting quarterback of the Chicago bears for this week, three game. So I'm just curious to see how everything goes. If his teammates can, you know, help him out a little bit. Curious. I, I like that one a lot. How about you, Mason? Where are you going to take it? Roller coaster. You got to get your barf bags ready because there's going to be some ups. There's going to be some downs. There's going to be twists and turns. So, you know, we're going to see the future. The future is here, but there's going to be growing pain. So strap in. Strap in. I, I like it. You guys are really helping us start this show on the right foot. And I want to use this as a segue just to jump into our offensive discussion here today and to kick it off. I'm curious to your guys' thoughts as to how this Bears offense may be different this week. Uh, you would think uh, about a week to work with Fields and with the starters. The Bears should enter this game with some new wrinkles on offense to tailor to Fields' strengths as he is a completely different type of quarterback than an Andy Dalton. Fields was only 6 of 13 for 60 yards, although some key drops really did hurt those numbers a week ago coming in place of Andy Dalton when he went out with that injury. But we can all agree that Fields is surely... And he's already shown that he's capable of more right now. So I want to know, what do you believe the Bears will or perhaps should do an offense this week a little bit differently with number one under center? And let's go to Mason the Bear West to kick things off. First off, you know, it's hard for any person, you know, whether you're talking about like a regular day job or playing professional football as a quarterback to get thrust in when you're, you know, you weren't expecting it. You know, he had uh, this package of plays that we're not sure how many there were. And it, it's not like he got a lot of reps with the starters. We saw that during the game, right? Uh, you saw that that Darnell movie, Mooney pass, where is it a drop? Is it an overthrow? Was it late? Probably a combination of all three of those things. Had a week to work on that timing. And the Andy Dalton plays are going to look su substantially different than what we should expect to see on Sunday. Primarily establishing the run you have to do that in both of them but especially because i would assume they want to now go into heavily more in that play action moving the pocket rollouts and what i'm gonna like to say these yolo deep passes i mean use what justin does well which is mobility and deep deep ball accuracy and i would also expect the targets for the tight ends to change substantially I mean, really jimmy graham's had two targets on one catch cole Komet's had eight on in six catches that's insane for not just this offense but I feel like what we can see with Justin Fields. I know Nick talked a lot as we built up how much he used the tight ends at Ohio State. Expect a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, again, I think what the tight ends were out there. I think we had three tight ends on at least 10% of all snaps last week and only one target total to a tight end. So that's a really good key really for this offense in general uh, to kind of get a little bit more production, utilize a tight end. We have five of them on this roster. 
there's no reason to only have one target for all of them uh, to share. And Mason, he hit on a lot of good points about his mobility, getting him out on the move. You know, don't force him to be a pure pocket passer. I think that's more true now as ever, especially looking at how that interior offensive line has blocked so far throughout two games. I don't think I want him standing there in the pocket. And then we do have two guys screaming off the edge this week in Garrett and Clowney that, you know, we're going to have to move away from one or the other uh, eventually. We don't want them just to tee off on our rookie quarterback here too. So Nick, how about you? Any other, I guess, keys to get Justin Fields acclimated or just tailor this offense and set him up for success? I mean, Mason did a really good job of highlighting a lot of the things that I'm expecting the Bears to see, but I think what caters to his strengths is some of the things that you saw in the limited playing time that he, or when he came in to fill in for an Andy Dalton, but his teammates just didn't capitalize on some of those deeper passing plays. You saw Andy Dalton, his, the, the design plays weren't meant to go very deep. I think the deepest shot was probably that Marquise Goodwin play that ended up being a pass interference call. But when, even when Justin Fields was entered in there, it seemed like Matt Nagy felt comfortable for him to at least take those shots with deep crossers, Darnell Mooney, where there was a couple times where, you know, that, that play was called. I obviously Allen Robinson dropping, you know, a touchdown pass, 34 yard touchdown that should have been, you know, for fields there. But I think you're going to see that despite what the, the Browns have on the other side in those edge rushers, because that is a strength of Justin Fields. But and and I don't want to say this as a criticism because I think we, we used to say this for Mitchell Trubisky, like cut the field in half. But Justin Fields roll out design play action plays, get him outside of the pocket. Like he is easily capable of delivering a strike on the move as he is going 20 yards down the field with his legs. So yes, we need to see more of that. You didn't see a lot of play action when Andy Dalton was in at QB. So a lot of the things that Mason said, I would think the bears incorporate that along with just more RPO type plays. Yes. He, they were in there when, you know, fields was playing last game, but just where he pulls it and takes it. That's what you want to see just field do this Sunday against the Browns. I like it a lot because if you get him booting off of a play action and allow him to get out of the pocket, and if you run some crossers, some shallow crosses out of that, you'll allow guys to either find soft spots in zones or if the other team, in this case, would be the Browns this week, if they're playing man, then you can outrun your man. The Bears have all the speed in the world. It should be hard to defend this team if they're running completely across the field here. So that really would help Justin as well. And if they get right in front of Justin's face, he sees it. There's a nice, easy read, good completion. But he's also a guy, Nick, as you said, it's not slight. Uh, it's a problem when you're a guy in your fourth year in the league and you have to cut the field in half rather than yeah. making uh, your first career start. And you mentioned RPOs. I think that's a great way. Uh, to get him involved and get him comfortable. He's used to it, but also the zeros, right? The zone read options too, because he can make plays with his legs and just making sure you tailor those, you know, allow him to use that athleticism to his advantage. Uh, he's already shown that he can limit the hits on his body. He can go down. He knows when to slide or get out of bounds or, hey, even stay in bounds to two clocks. But I'm okay uh, with allowing him to use his feet as a weapon as well. Looking at the Bears' offense just in general now, looking at last week's game, we talked about things that we want to maybe see a little bit differently, but are there any positives on offense last week that are worth building on? And Nick, I'll kind of hand it over to you uh, to start that off. You know, honestly, even though they didn't capitalize on those deeper passing attempts, I just like that the Bears are at least taking those shots because they were non-existent against the Rams in week one. But it seemed like in the game against Cincinnati, on the fly, but Justin Fields being thrust in there due to an injury, 
Matt Nagy was okay with calling those types of plays. So I did like that kind of aspect of what the Bears wanted to do, but execution-wise didn't didn't kind of make sense, or execution didn't, didn't ha- end up happening. I even liked the design run by Justin Fields to the left side after Angelo Blackson's interception. Just you had the wrong tight end blocking. You had yep. Jimmy Graham outside in the corner. So I like the thought, just – personnel now we hopefully we're gradually getting to a point where hey you got the right play you get the execution right personnel touchdowns but there are there were some things out there that should have worked but execution and personnel and just you know the thought process you know kind of restricted that from happening yeah even though you know Allen robinson dropped that money throw by fields in the end zone Mooney had the one off his fingertips I love that deep ball mentality that touchdown to check down mentality that Nagy's been saying for years and I feel like Justin Fields is able to embody that uh, a little bit so yeah taking those deep chances was a positive I want to see him push that ball the Browns are near the bottom on defense in terms of EPA allowed they are allowing way more yards than expected which again shows me that they are allowing some of these big plays and maybe Big plays that aren't even supposed to happen, but they're there. They're getting allowing offenses to get chunks, to get some explosive plays against them. So the Bears should not be afraid to try it whatsoever. Uh, another positive I had would be David Montgomery. Uh, I did see he got to 20 carries uh, last week. He didn't get the yards. But, hey, I appreciate the willingness uh, to stick to the run, you know, overall throughout the game. I know playing with the lead helps. Uh, and I know there were times late where we should have maybe ran the ball more to two clock, but I thought that was still a good progression that with a kid making his first career start, his best friend would be a very strong day from David Montgomery sticking to that so he doesn't have to drop back 50 times in this game. So that's another positive that I would like to see carry forward is the re- reliance on David Montgomery in a good way. Mason, how about you? Any other positives that you wanted to highlight that you're hoping the Bears can build off of? Oh, and really quick to build off something that Nick said, that uh, QB run to the left where, yes, we know Jimmy Graham missed that block. He came up and said, give him my bad after. And it's like, well, how much does that really help when you're looking down at Justin after he got hit like that? But if you actually looked, Cole Komet missed a block too. Yep. There was, he, he went way too wide, looked at the guy who was supposed to block and kept floating. And it was like, if he had just gotten to that uh, that Bengals player, Justin could have walked into the, into the end zone too. So, you know, hopefully that was worked on because we should expect a lot of those QB runs. But something that they did do well, I liked the offensive line play. When you really go back and watch the film, Justin did have, and Andy Dalton for that matter, they had time to make passes. You know, there were a couple of times they broke down, but when you actually look at the footwork that Justin had, and sometimes he just floated a little bit, either out of the back of the pocket and to the left, so he kind of created some of these rush lanes for the Bengals, versus if he had stepped up in the pocket that the Bears actually had created, he could have had a little bit more time. So, you know, I really like what they were able to do there. And that I think bodes well for this next week. Nick, while we're on the topic, before we move on to like looking at this Browns defense, uh, you know, Mason made a good point. Watching fields maybe drift in the pocket a little bit. I didn't see that in camp. I didn't see that in the preseason. I'd have to expect that maybe some of those butterflies, nerves came in, like knowing I'm in my first real official NFL game now being thrust in there kind of on the fly. Looking at this week with it being his first start, does it almost help him like, getting out there as early as he did last week to kind of maybe calm those down now because he's already got that experience? So even though it's his first start per se, it's not his first real experience. So maybe he'll get more, a little bit more comfortable in this one earlier than if it was just purely out of the gate. I think so, and he knows that Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett are crashing down <laughs> on those edges, so you better step up. And, you know, 
climb the pocket instead of drifting. And, you know, Jason Peters actually talked about that in his press conference this week, uh, just kind of comparing when he played with Nick Foles and then Michael Vick, how they kind of maneuver in the pocket, what he has to do as, as a tackle to make sure that Justin Fields is capable of, you know, maneuvering there. But Matt Nagy also pointed out to, it was one of the sacks that he took where he is drifting back. It's with, it's like a minute, 18 seconds left in the second quarter where yeah, Fields needs to climb the pocket in that instance so we can avoid that pressure off the edge. But I think it does help getting it out of the way. He did it in front of his home, you know, his home crowd here at Soldier Field. And now it's it's a little bit of a different animal with now he's going to be on the road starting for the first time. But I think it does help. So hopefully it bodes well for him to get acclimated to that. But he better do it because there's some good capable edge rushers that will definitely deliver a hit if he doesn't. Without a doubt. Uh, looking at this Browns defense, I'm curious what challenges you see them providing this Bears offense uh, this week. I know I said I was – very excited or and just elated to see the Bears' commitment to the run. I do know doing it this week, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, this Browns defense is very stout uh, against the run. They're allowing the fourth fewest yards per rush in the NFL with only three. And no running back has more than 43 yards rushing against this defense yet this season. And that starts all up front for the Browns. Guys like Malik McDowell, Malik Jackson, Clowney, and Garrett are all super strong run defenders right there in the trenches. They're consistently getting into the backfield, making plays. Uh, it's going to make things very tough for the Bears if they want to play some smash mouth football, if they want to be able to establish the run in this game. Uh, so that's the one strength that I know this Browns defense brings uh, that has me you know, a little concerned. And I know it's going to be a test uh, for this Bears offense going up against that specifically. Mason, how about you? Anything from the Browns perspective that you see as a challenge? Well, I know if you go back to our, you know, meet the opponent where we talked to the Dogs of War podcast that they talked about how they were a little disappointed in that pass rush, but they're just way too talented to rule out entirely. You know, when you talk about the guys you just mentioned, you know, you have a Miles Garrett who is just insane athlete, you know, him and Aaron Donald next to each other. They're those two of the people you're just like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe people are made this way. Um, and then you have even like a McKinley who's also pretty good for them too. You know, in terms of pass rush win rate, the Browns are actually ranked fifth at 56%. McKinley is tied for fifth overall at 33 and Clowney's ninth at 32% in the defensive and outside linebacker category. So overall they're winning. They're just not necessarily getting home. And again, they're too talented for that to ultimately not for eventually not get sacks, not get those pressures. So you're hoping that it's not this week. They figure it out and then that it's maybe next week or the week after. Nick, what are we missing? The thing that I think we're missing is, it's not even what the Browns do well. It's what the Bears haven't showed us. It's the ability to score points, you guys. I mean, 14 offensive points in each game is what the Bears have been capped at, right? And obviously, Roquan Smith helps add to that total last week. But the Bears were in prime position three times against the Cincinnati Bengals and came away in those three times they were in Bengals territory, two field goals and a punt off of turnovers. So despite what the Browns are doing, giving up 27 points per game, can the Bears still score on a defense that has allowed teams to score? So that's going to be, you know, the biggest thing I'm looking at at this Bears offense. And now, yes, we have a new quarterback in, so maybe that changes things. But that's thing, obviously, I did have the pass rush there, but it was with a question mark because they haven't hit home, like Mason was saying. But that's another aspect. Can the Bears score? 
Okay. I I'm hopeful they can move the ball, though, and sustain drives. The Browns' defense is the worst in the NFL on third down right now. They're allowing conversions on 63% uh, percent of the time. And crazily enough, the Bears' offense, and I know it's only after two weeks, small sample sizes, but they are, they are 11th in the NFL on third down on offense with a 42.3% conversion percentage. So if the Bears are finding themselves in third down, which we all know they will, uh, they do have some I don't know, odds in their favors right now, at least extend these drives. It's just a matter of getting into the red zone and seeing what they can do once they get there. Because, Nick, you said it, prime position, they just have not capitalized after two games so far. A lot of points uh, left off of the board uh, after these couple of games. But, fellas, if you had to put it all together, uh, based off of everything that we've talked about so far, what are those overall keys to success uh, for the Bears' offense this week when you have to just kind of, I don't know, look at the strengths of the Browns, what the Bears should be doing with Justin Fields? If you're game planning, what does that look like? And, Nick, over to you. Well, a very simplified version. I have four bullet points. If the Bears can do this on offense, they will have success and ultimately win. It's, it's really just utilizing Fields' strengths, his ability to get outside the pocket and make throws that way. Capitalizing on the Browns' mistakes, they're a team that's right now tied for second with four turnovers total. So not very many. They're tied with five other teams for that that category. But creating explosive plays, and we're still waiting and doing that through the passing game. We're still waiting on that. My bold prediction yep. was three last week. That didn't come true. So <laughs> that's another way that they can do that. And then you got to see if you can run the ball on this Browns defense that's ranked number six in DVOA according to Football Outsiders. If all those go in the Bears' favor, they win this game. But that is way easier said than done. Hey, we still got defense to talk about. They could win this side of the ball. <laughs> Don't get too far ahead yeah, of yourself true, there. True. <laughs> I have four bullet points as well. Uh, sticking to the run, as you mentioned, Nick, even if it's not working, please still commit to it. Don't become one-dimensional. Uh, allow that play action to be a factor uh, as well. So you hit on that one earlier. Get Justin moving. Uh, I feel like the Browns' defense is going to try to attack us with a lot of zone. Uh, I feel like Justin should be able to pick that apart. And if they do go man, then you can kill them with your legs because they're going to be afraid to play just pure man-to-man, -man, turn their backs against the quarterback with Justin's speed. Uh, they would definitely put themselves in a vulnerable position. So I would expect them to show some exotic looks. They've been kind of vanilla with their defense so far. I know that's been a big gripe coming out of Cleveland. So you would assume knowing they're going up against someone in their first career start, they're going to show him some things he has not seen on the film. So also the ability to learn from it and overcome it, uh, I think is another kind of sneaky key here. And just take those chances. As we said earlier, allow guys to make plays. That secondary for Cleveland is beatable, so you better go get them. Mason, do we have any other keys that we need to consider here this week? So you guys have said a lot of great stuff. <laughs> and the only two things I would add to it, one, eliminate at least one defender. And you can do that right by rolling out away from someone. So if you're going to roll away from a Miles Garrett, if you're going to use that RPO, right, use maybe him or Clowney is that key, wherever they go, you do the opposite. And Justin's been doing that his entire career. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do it now. The other thing I would take into consideration is, at the end of the day, Matt Nagy. Will he unleash Justin Fields and let him play that he plays, kind of that you know backyard football, that play after the play that Cole Komet had referenced uh, in one of his press conferences and use those strengths? Or is he going to play to win the game or play to not lose the game? And if you look in the past, he hasn't really – molded himself right i mean Foles wanted to play fast he wanted to get the play out quick and man, he said, no 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 we're gonna slow it down let me get my perfect play out for you and then we you know mitch he wanted to move the pocket didn't do that and for whatever reason the bears just over the course of time have always wanted to fit players to their scheme you know mike marks traded greg olson 
because he wanted a blocking tight end. You know, that was a great call. Chip Kelly ended up losing his job because he just kept trading and cutting players that didn't fit his scheme. And then you have someone else like a Greg Roman who moved from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson like it was nothing because he yeah. changed what he was doing to fit Lamar. Now, obviously, you know, I wouldn't expect them to use fields like a Lamar. I mean, that's just is insane. He's a much better passer, in my humble opinion, than Lamar Jackson is. But can you change what you are doing enough? Can you be humble enough to say, hey, I'm going to make this player put him in the best situation possible and try to let him ball out instead of being scared that he's going to make a bad choice? Really good stuff there, Mason. You hit a good point about both those edge rushers. I think there will be times because it's going to be very difficult to kind of you know mitigate them all game long so there will need to be plays where you just don't block them you read them and then you find a way to beat them because you don't only have a certain amount of guys you can block those are two strong guys and how deep the browns are in the interior of that defensive line it makes it real hard to do some of those double teams unless you are chipping with a back or a tight end so getting into those option plays where instead of blo- blocking them you can read them uh, i think would be something to at least look out for here come Sunday. So up next, we're going to talk about this Bears defense and how they stack up against this Browns offense, everything we're looking for on that side of the ball this week. But real quick, I do need to call a quick timeout to share a message from our friends over at Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. So kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. First scheduled for liftoff, the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls. Well, thank you. All right. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mason West and Nicholas Moriano. And we are now turning our attention over to this Bears defense that really stepped up their game last week against the Bengals. They only gave up 17 points. Uh, they had four turnovers, and they were able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. And they held the Bengals to a respectable 50% conversion rate on third down. Much better across the board compared to the season opener. Now this week, the Browns are set to provide yet another strong test for this defense to handle. They entered the week as the NFL's third best rushing attack, and Baker Mayfield is playing some really efficient football. So, Nick, I'll go to you first. What do you believe the Bears should be concerned about with this Browns offense, and what do they do well uh, that may cause this Bears defense some trouble here in just a few days? I think the big thing when I look at this Browns offense, and obviously they have two great running backs, but the ability that Baker Mayfield has to really throw the ball downfield. You mentioned it. Like he's he's playing some really good football at his ten point nine yards per pass average are number two in the league right now. Yep. And we know the Bears, even in that win against the Bengals, gave up two passing plays above twenty yards. And against the Rams, they gave up three passing plays above thirty yards. So they've given up their fair share of explosive plays in this Browns offense. They like to have their wide receivers, their tight ends run those seam routes down the middle of the field, those skinny posts down the middle of the field. So this Bears defense 
needs to be ready for that challenge, that vertical challenge down the field, especially if that pass rush can't replicate what it did against the Bengals, which is a really dominant performance. But if it can't, and you get a guy like OBJ coming back for potentially his first game, right? So there's there's going to be opportunities for the Browns to attack that area of the field. So the Bears, that's that's the one thing when I look at this game. Obviously, the running backs are, are a handful in themselves, but that vertical passing game creates those explosive plays, which we know the Bears haven't been able to do on offense and have given up on defense. What about you, Mason? I have a few points from Nick, so we may do some follow-up questions here, but I wanted to see where you take this first. I looked at it kind of like a process of elimination. You know, there's a reason so far the Browns have been a little reticent to pay Baker, and it's because he isn't bad, but he's not a game-breaking quarterback. You know, he, I, I kind of compare him almost to a Kirk Cousins. You don't win because of him, but you can certainly lose because of him. And then you look at the fact that, you know, Landry's going to be out, He's not, and he was one of their primary receivers out of the slot. And yes, OBJ is coming back, but I mean, since that 2019 trade uh, of Beckham to the Browns, Mayfield and OBJ have had the worst completion rate of 55.6% of any quarterback receiving duo. With Beckham on the field, Mayfield's completed just 59.9% of those throws and averaging 7.2 yards per attempt. With Beckham off the field, that goes up to 70.4% of his passes with a slightly higher average of 7.7. You know, is it force feeding and is he going to feel the need to do that? Potentially. And he's coming off an ACL tear, you know, putting on that PT hat. Like, if you compare that to Allen Robinson, in 2016 with the Jags before that tear, he had 73 receptions, 883 yards, and six touchdowns. Respectable. In 2018, first season with the Bears, he ended up only with 55 receptions, 754 yards, and four touchdowns. A huge drop-off. And then he rocketed back up to over 1,000 yards the following season. Coming off an ACL tear is no joke. So I don't really expect that OBJ is going to be a huge, huge factor, except maybe one or two explosive plays. Because when you take all that into account, it goes back to the run. The running game is what you have to stop if you're the Bears, because every those other parts aren't something you're necessarily concerned about. Yeah, the Browns run it the third most in the NFL. 53% of the time, uh, Nick Chubb is fifth in the league, 178 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. That leaves the NFL. Kareem Hunt's also getting a good chunk of the carries. Uh, he's slashing defenses. What you've seen out of the Browns often so far is that they'll wear you down. I mean, they'll just run it and run again. If you're averaging 6.8 yards per carry, you can run it all day long, and eventually you will make your way into the end zone. It's just math at that point. Every two runs, you have a first down. Easy money so far for them. And with Nicholas Chubb, I do think you're getting a two-part problem here. Uh, he's averaging the most yards over expected per rush attempt at 1.56 of all backs with at least 25 touches. Uh, I already said, again, he leads the NFL with 6.8 yards per carry. So both of those tell me one thing, and it's a little alarming, that the Bears are facing a very strong offensive line and a back who is breaking tackles and getting additional yards after contact. So he's already getting easy yards because his line's playing well, but then he's still so good to get additional yards after the fact, and that's what's been making him as dangerous as he has been so far this season, but that's why you need to stop the run. And with Baker coming off of that shoulder, uh, Mason, you can go into a deep dive on that. I know it's his non-throwing shoulder, but I'm certain that can impact his mechanics a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to affect everything. There's a video that was out there in the Twitterverse where he was doing handoffs and literally just avoiding doing them with that hand. I mean, you're telling me that every handoff that goes that direction, you're just going to ignore it? That's insane. And now if you take passing into account, it's all about symmetry. And, you know, even though, yes, you're, you're throwing it with that dominant side, that non-dominant side still has to be able to rotate and move along with you. It's going to create 
slowing down of that muscle memory, right? Because you're thinking about it. Is that pressure coming from the other side? Am I going to get hit again or I'm going to land on that shoulder? It's just going to mess it up entirely. And when you're dealing with what he has with a dislocation, I mean, that's something that you can't just scoff away. That's a big deal. For sure. And that's why I think if you can stop the run, force Baker to stand back there. I know he's not getting pressured a ton right now, but if the Bears can dial up some, just making him uneasy in the pocket, I think is easier than maybe in weeks past due to that injury. So that should be another kind of sneaky key. And one other challenge that I see the Browns providing us is that red zone offense of theirs right now. They're scoring touchdowns on 85% of those trips, which is the second highest mark behind a few teams that have scored on every single one of their drives so far. But again, small sample sizes after week two. Uh, but regardless, an 85% conversion rate in the red zone is very effective and very efficient. Uh, and really, that's due to the ability to run. Uh, they've been able to run inside the 20 uh, and the 10. And when you can do that, that's a huge plus for any offense. Hutton Chubb, uh, they have 13 combined rushes inside the 20, which is the most in the league uh, for a combined backfield. So that's a big key. And they're not afraid to use the fullback there to the goal line, too. And just to kind of put it into perspective about how often they're running in the red zone, uh, Baker Mayfield only has four throws inside the red zone so far this season. So watch if the Browns, I'm going to say if, no, I'm kidding. They're going to get there eventually. But once they're in the red zone here on Sunday, they're going to rely heavily on that run. So going back to Mason's first point, you got to stop it. And if you do, let's see how you can maybe force Baker in some mistakes down there in those condensed area of the field. So even though the Bears did turn things around a little bit, uh, Nick, do you have any concerns or question marks for this unit heading into this week? I know Tashawn Gibson, uh, with his injury, with his hamstring, his status is kind of getting downgraded as the week goes on. Maybe that's a big concern for you heading into this week. But you know, taking the Browns into account, what kind of concerns do you have about this Bears defense this week specifically? I think for, for me, when I was just watching what the Browns were doing with some of their tight ends, they split those guys out wide. I saw Harrison Bryant outside on a cornerback, uh, one of the left cornerbacks that um, Houston had. So it's it's the how the Browns and Baker Mayfield kind of distribute their targets. In the game against Houston, 10 different guys caught a pass. So that means every layer, every player on the defense needs to be ready for whoever is lined up against them or crosses into their zone or it, you know whatever it may be. That's the thing that also makes the Browns a little difficult because, yes, they're, maybe they'll be going one way for a certain drive, but on the very next drive they could be targeting somebody else and maybe just focus more on the run and then play action pass to an Austin Hooper. A, a guys like it, it can change. It's interchangeable. Even that without Jarvis Landry, they still have plenty of playmakers on that offense that are capable of just moving the chains, keeping that offense out there, and getting into the red zone, which they're very uh, efficient, like you said, Will. So my question for you, Nick, would be, you talked about those tight ends splitting out wide. And I know teams so far after two games, the one thing they've done really well against the Bears is kind of attacking that nickel corner, making the Bears go into their sub packages. And again, I know you're not Sean Desai, but with them being a little bit more, I don't know, reliant on the tight end position more than other teams and their running backs as receivers, I think pretty much three of their tight ends and both backs would count as their leading receivers now after two games. I know Odell's just coming back. Jarvis Landry left real early in the week prior. Is that going to work well or at least kind of play into the Bears' favor? Or do you think the Browns would still try to spread them out a bit, get a Duke Shelley out there on the field, someone to kind of pinpoint? Because we all know that's the Achilles heel. I mean, I would think so. I think that's – you're going to see – Duke Shelley's going to be out there regardless, uh, even with 
you know, heavy run packages. Like you said, Will, they do utilize a fullback. You don't see many of those guys there. But Duke Shelley will be out there, and I think the Browns kind of know. And even Kendall, look, Kendall Vildor, I think for the most part last week, had a really solid game. And then he gives up a big pass to Jamar Chase and then gets beat on the touchdown after Justin Fields' interception. So he still, like towards the end, showed some some weaknesses too. So I still think the Browns know that the weakness of the Bears is in that secondary. So spread them out. Have them utilize those communication skills. Like still test them because you saw a bunch of blown coverages in week one. They fixed it up week two. Now I think week three we're going to see who who this defense really is. Is it like I think I even said in the post game show or like when I was recapping it, like, is this going to be closer to week two or week one? We're about to find out. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's going to be an interesting test to see where we stand right now. And just to put it in perspective of how reliant they've been on running backs and also efficient, uh, their running backs combined so far seven catches on seven targets for 51 yards, and their tight ends are 18 to 22 uh, for over 200 yards. Again, just through two games. And I would feel like a Harrison Bryant on a Duke Shelley would be a mismatch in favor uh, for the Browns. I, I wouldn't shy away from that if I was Baker Mayfield. So, again, I think that's going to be a key to see if – it's as well known in the Ronda League as we expect it to be. If the Browns change who they are a little bit just to expose that huge glaring weakness in this Bears uh, defense. But Mason, I want to go over to you for some positives. Uh, what do you want to see this defense still kind of build on that we saw last week? So uh, I'm trying to figure out what kind of run defense the Bears are. Because right now, in terms of team run stop win rate, they're ranked 26th at only 27%. You know, take into account the Rams didn't really need to run. They were throwing the ball over the place. And then when they need, decided we're going to run now to run down the clock, they kind of did what they whatever they wanted. And then the Bengals got behind, so they needed to pass more. Is that a bad sign? But then when you look in past years, when the Bears have had the gauntlet put down in front of them, they've stepped up against good rushing attacks. And I alluded to this earlier, but I really do compare this Browns team to the Vikings. You know, obviously Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator there, and a lot of his concepts you know, come from that. The Chubb Hunt, you can easily compare it to a Cook. Uh, you know, Mayfield, you, I think you can pretty easily compare it to a Cousins. And when you have all that put together, again, like when you have hopefully Akeem Hicks is going to be back from that illness. You might be getting any Goldman back. That, you know, he was limited twice in a row, which is much better than last week. You're definitely getting Mario Edwards back. It's a recipe to have some really great things happen. And when you have someone like a Roquan Smith playing in the middle of your defense, that's a game changer, right? I mean, he can make up for a lot of things and how active he was against the Bengals, not just in the run game, but also in the pass game, right? With that pick six, I mean, that, that's a recipe for a win. Yeah, it is. And you mentioned Eddie Goldman coming back, Mario Edwards Jr. too, and the Spirits defensive line has been playing very well. They played really strong a week ago. Nick, how much higher is the ceiling now with a couple of key guys back? I mean, look, there's more depth, obviously. I think people are going to be more conditioned throughout the entirety of the game. And if you know that this team's going to try and run the ball continuously throughout the game, you need to have those guys in and out uh, of that, that defensive front there. So I think it would be huge for a Bears defense that has done, I think, you know, against Joe Mixon. And again, like Mace was saying, they didn't, the Rams didn't run too much. I think they've done a fairly good job for these two tests. Now, this is going to be probably arguably the toughest one you're going to face all season. But I think having that depth and seeing how Angelo Blackson is playing, Bilal Nichols, how active he's also been, I think that only helps this front seven to really see what they're actually capable of. 
I'm excited that if it goes how things are trending to finally see Eddie Goldman back in a real game situation. We saw him a little bit in the preseason, but it's been a long time since we saw number 91 anchoring uh, this defense. And it would be, I don't know, tremendous uh, if he's able to play that position like we know he's capable of and how it'll just benefit and bolster this entire Bears defense, that puzzle piece that you've been playing without. And now you get it back. I don't think that should go on notice. And Mario Edwards, such a huge contributor last year. So if you can keep guys fresh, like you said, Nick, that that's the Bears' best shot here if they want to kind of contain this run. And how I said earlier, this Browns offense will wear you down. They'll keep punching you in the mouth. Rotating guys in is the perfect recipe to kind of combat that. Keep some fresh legs on your side uh, as well. A positive I want to see, though, is that turnover mentality. Uh, we got a pick uh, from all three levels last week, which is pretty remarkable, right? Defensive line, linebacker, and over in the secondary as well. So the Bears will have chances. The Browns give up uh, two giveaways per game, which is the second highest mark right now in the NFL, tied with a bunch of teams. I, I, people will even out here eventually after we get a few more weeks under our belts, but still uh, on the higher side of things in the league. But guys, we're going up against an offense that is averaging 30 points per game through two games. Uh, that's the sixth highest mark in the NFL. And as we mentioned, uh, they're going to be a strong test. The, this Browns offense will be a strong test for Sean Desai's defense. Nick, I'll go to you first. What would you do to slow down this Browns attack? Uh, what are your keys to stopping this offense on Sunday? Yeah, so this key, I have to give a huge shout out to Jonathan Wood there on Twitter. Go follow him at Jonathan underscore Wood one. But the big thing he highlighted in a nice Twitter thread, laid it all out, is limiting the success on first down. Right now, the Browns have 30 runs on first down and are averaging 5.2 yards per carry. Like like Will was saying, do the math. That's a, that's a first down every two plays, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have 25 passes, and they're averaging 10.4 yards per carry or per, per, per pass. So they are moving the ball effectively on first down, and 13 of their 55 first down plays have picked up another first, and another 19 have gotten them into second and short or medium, that one to six yard range, and only 19 of those plays have resulted in second and long. So the key for the Bears to make sure that they have a chance of getting off the field, stopping this Browns offense from, you know, putting up the numbers that it's been putting up through the first two weeks is winning on first down, making them second and long and giving yourself a chance to almost you're not going to entirely take out the running game just because it's maybe a second and seven or a second and eight because they could still run the ball again and get it third and manageable but man if you can win on that first down area where the browns have had so much success this season that changes the game a little bit maybe they go away from what they've done so far and become more pass happy and not rely on that run but that's going to be the key for me and sean desai that bears defense is going to know that if we can limit on first down, we have a chance here. All right. Hey, I'm going to just riff off of you because mine was the force third down. So very identical. But you're talking about that first down success. And this is why, and you shed some light, at least from my perspective, why the Browns are only facing eight third down attempts per game. They're only facing third down eight times right now per game, which is the lowest number in the NFL. There's only two other teams that are less than 10, and I think it's uh, LA Rams and the Chiefs, uh, to kind of put that into some perspective for you 
as well. But when they do actually have a third down attempt, they're not too good uh, at picking it up when their back's against the wall. They're 22nd in the NFL. They're only converting on 37% of their third downs. The problem is defenses have not been able to find a way to get them into those, into those situations. So mine's going to be forced third downs, which in order to do that, you have to go back to the next key, which is to stop that run on first down as well so we're all aligned mason just blow it up what do we miss <laughs> you guys covered most of it honestly my biggest thing was force baker into third and longs to just make him actually have to beat you sell it on the run uh but to be a little different i'm also going to add in disguise some of your pass rush you know we've have seen that for the most part where bears got in trouble last in last year and the year before that um when they had you know a different defensive coordinator at the helm that it was pretty predictable where the pass rush was coming from, or it was, you know, you had too many of your linebackers going, things of that nature. Um, we've seen more recently, though, definitely different. You know, Roquan's got a sack now, which you didn't expect. Robert Quinn has two and a half sacks this year. That's, that's mind-blowing to me, and I don't understand it, to be quite honest. But you also see, you know, they've had Quinn and Mack on the same side for a play. You know, just confuse when it gets to that second and long, third and long situation, if you can actually get to third and long, you know, make it confusing for Baker and so that he really has to prove to you that he can read where that's going pressure is going to come from. Yeah. I I've liked how from week one to week two, we saw maybe some Sean Desai wrinkles and I'm ready to see more kind of get added into the fold here this week as well. One last thing on defense and it's super minor. And that's why I didn't mention it at all. I'm very excited to have Rashad Smith back over Josh Woods. Uh, just saying. I saw that happen today. <laughs> Rashad Smith is someone who they got uh, poached from a year ago, and I was so sad. Uh, an undrafted free agent that we had uh, after the 2020 draft. And I thought, hey, he, you know, to having two R. Smiths at inside linebacker, that's pretty cool. And this guy, this kid's fast. Uh, he's aggressive, and I think he has a higher potential uh, for at least a key special teams contributor over uh, like a Josh Wood. So I think he brings more to the table. I think Josh Woods got poached, and then we poached. So interesting kind of back end of the roster practice squad stuff but it made me happy to see that Rashad is officially back in Chicago where his NFL career started but again it has nothing to do with this game doesn't really matter but I did want to at least mention that let's move over to special teams Nick is there anything that you wanted to bring to the table here the only thing is that the Bears what they've done this week can't think of the punter's name brought a left-footed punter in for Nasimba to kind of practice because that's exactly what they're going to see on game day, a left-footed punter. So I like that from the Bears, just taking whatever little detail they can do to prepare themselves for this game, and they're applying it throughout the practice week. But other than that, not not too much, Will. So they did that two weeks in a row? They did do it the first week, didn't they? I, what was the Rams I thought they, did it, the I thought they entered it, did it entering last week. That was a point I thought I had in my notes a week ago. That was for the Bengals. Oh, for the Bengals. Yeah. What am I thinking? Um, do they have a left-footed punter? <laughs> I, I don't know. But they They're just keeping us on our toes over here. But apparently that left-footed punter like works at like a mire nearby, and they just pick him up like whenever it's time. Like, hey, man, we, we need Give you this the Tyler week. Bray. The Tyler yeah. Bray of this year just keeps coming back and forth, punting and going to wherever he goes. That's what his shirt says, left-footed punter, LFP, Jim? and then everyone knows it. <laughs> Goes around the league, travels. It's a nice little cushy gig. Probably gets paid more than I do uh, to do that. Mason, how about you? Anything on special teams uh, that you want to bring up? And I know Nick didn't bring, uh, other than that, anything. And no pressure, but I have nothing in my notes here. I was literally <laughs> going to say I'm looking at my notes, and I have nothing there. 
and I think that's mainly a good thing because yep. we haven't seen right the, the punt coverage or the kick coverage be as bad as it was in the preseason. So that's something to worry about since week one where Cleo Herbert had that great return. You know, we haven't really seen too much since then. So, you know, the Simba, Cleo Herbert, they're not really breaking the bank or anything. They're not doing anything that's really getting you too, too excited quite yet. So if at the end of the day, if those even out and you have, you know, no hashtag Bears special team stuff going around on Twitter, you're doing okay because now you can rely on your defense to really help you out. Yeah, you know, honestly, the least amount of work we can get in kick return, right, with Khalil Herbert, like love the kid, want him to get those touches, but if he only has to do it one time a game, I'm not going to be upset uh, with that at all. So limited opportunities are good there. Uh, that means the Bears' defense is doing its job. Uh, real quick, before we get into X-Factors, I do want to announce that we've partnered, and this came in like literally an hour ago, we have partnered with Breaking Tea for all your Chicago Bears, heck, all your NFL Breaking Tea kind of needs. So they have really awesome uh, shirts uh, with really neat designs. I know Nick's getting this Justin Fields Sugar Skull shirt. Uh, Mason, you're kind of between that and uh, Fields, and I'm undecided, but you should check out breakingtea.com uh, slash Chicago Audible, so that way we get a little bit of affiliate kickback, and that helps support our show. You get to rep some awesome officially licensed merchandise with some Justin Fields designs, and it's really uh, it's just really worth a look. I know if you're listening, I'm probably not describing it as well, but that's what your eyes are for. So check out breakingtea.com slash Chicago Audible and pick up one of those shirts here today. Very excited about this partnership uh, that came through here today. But gentlemen, it's time to get back to business. And I want to find out who your X factors are or what your X factors are. Depends on how you want to approach it this week. And Nick, I'll go over to you. What's your X factor on offense? So it does involve somebody, but I we'll just go with it. So Justin Fields' ability to climb the pocket to avoid pressure off the edges. So we we were talking about that earlier. I'm like, all right, this is gonna be a great X factor. And already kind of got spoiled in the beginning there, but you saw Patrick Mahomes do that really well against the Cleveland Browns in week one. There was a bunch of times where I think and a lot of other quarterbacks get sacked there, but Patrick Mahomes is able to climb up in the pocket, avoid the pressure. Tyrod Taylor was doing that really well before he got injured. And actually, like I said, Matt Nagy talked about Justin Fields having to do that and also Jason Peters having to adjust to how how Fields kind of goes back in the pocket. But there are going to be opportunities for Garrett, for Clowney, for, for guys on that Browns defensive line that they're going to have some shots at Justin Fields, but he needs to feel that pressure, avoid it, step up and then you can also roll out from there as well and use those legs extend the play and then you could see how that factors into that offensive game plan because if you could do that then you give yourself at least more chances like Andy Dalton is a guy that you know he's not gonna be able to do as much outside of the pocket as obviously Justin Fields so he just needs to feel that pressure and I think if he does have a good just awareness of it man that that extends this offense and the opportunities they'll have on Sunday. I still feel like Dalton learned some things from Justin based off how he was actually making some of those plays uh, with his feet way more uh, than I anticipated coming into this season. But I know what you mean there, Nick. We talked about that extensively on the top. Mason, how about you? Do you have an X factor for offense? Mine's going to be specifically Marquise Goodwin. I think if you really stick to what we're talking about in terms of using RPOs, moving the pocket, a lot of those plays where you have the routes that cross the field are going to be really important. 
And when you have someone like a Marquis Goodwin who's as fast as he is, it's hard to keep up with people on routes like that. So, you know, if you're rolling to the left and you have Marquis coming from the right slot, that pass should be open. And then that should get you some yards after catch in theory. And not just that, but also, you know, taking the top off the defense, stretching it so that we can have Cole Komet work underneath, Al Robinson work underneath, things of that nature. So, you know, Marquis Goodwin is going to be very important in this game. And I've been really impressed also with his sure handedness for that. He's making some crazy catches that, you know, really get you excited. And so without him, you'd be struggling because so far we haven't seen the Demir Bird be able to do that. He's been used on screens more. It's like, I don't know where Bird is in this offense. It's, it's odd. Um, it's just, yeah. It's odd, but yeah, so definitely it is odd. There's, it's weird that they can't get him more involved right now. And it's interesting because when you look at years past, right, as that like fourth wide receiver, that's what a typical Riley Ridley, Ted Ginn Jr. Vaguely on the depth chart a year ago. And they always struggled to get those guys touches. And Demir Bird's a guy who was very involved for this Patriots offense uh, a year ago. And so I don't think there's much excuse to not have him a little bit more acclimated into the game plan here than we've seen so far. It's lacking. Don't think it's really a him problem. I think it's a play calling and a schematic issue because we know he has talent. We saw it in in camp. We saw it in preseason. They held him out in a lot of those preseason games for a reason. Let's see him do something here. Come, He's not Max Factor, by the way, but you got me excited because he is someone that I'm confused, uh, just like the tight end usage, which is my X Factor. Let's get those tight ends involved. Uh, we t- we, we kind of took this one out a little bit earlier, so I'm not going to dive back into it, but I do think the involvement of tight ends or not uh, is really going to make or break uh, perhaps his offense and his ability to move and march down the field. Mason, I go back to you for a defensive X Factor. So defensive X factor for me is going to be that pass rush. Uh, we already talked about the run defense and everything like that, but really if we can get that pass rush going, it's going to be huge. Right now the leader uh, in terms of sacks is Chandler Jones with five, but not too far from ninth on the list, like I talked about earlier, was Quinn with 2.5. I mean, one of them was was followed by that unsportsmanlike conduct, which isn't great, but he's getting to the quarterback, and so are a lot of the Bears. You know, And Mack is getting some solid pressure, even if he's not landing home. His uh, pass rush actually got Bilal Nichols a sack, if you watched in that Bengals game. Uh, and the part that's going to be tough is highest pass block win rate for centers in the entire league is J.C. Treader on the Browns at 100%. At guard at 7th is Joel Batonio at 97%. And Jack Conklin at offensive tackle makes 3rd at 87%. So they have some really solid O-line play. So if you can't win that, if you can't make Baker uncomfortable, especially because you know a lot of the Bears pressure does come up right up the middle, right at where Treader and, and Batonio are going to be playing, it's, he might be able to pick you off because we know that the Bears secondary is still a question mark. Yeah, Baker's only getting pressured on 22% of his dropbacks right now. So again, only about one out of every time he's dropping back to pass the football, there's some pressure. Testament to that Browns offensive line, going to be a big test, which is why my X-Factors, we talked about him, Mario Edwards Jr. and Eddie Goldman coming back. Let's add a little extra fuel to the fire here. Let's watch Eddie Goldman take that 100% win percentage from that center, and let's drop it down a few pegs. I'm excited to see what he can do holding down both sides of that A-gap, which should help us stop the run or at least slow down that Browns rushing attack. And Mario Edwards always coming off the bench, always making plays. I think they can really, as we said earlier, elevate the floor and also expand the ceiling a bit. So those two guys coming back, being fresh, and just giving us a little extra, I don't know, pep in our step is something that I'm looking forward to as an X factor to kind of elevate this entire uh, Bears defense. And I think they're very needed here in this game, so the timing could not have been much better. Nick, your X factor on defense. 
And we've talked about this already, too. It's limiting explosive plays. Right now, Cleveland's ranked number two in the league in explosive play rate. So they have six explosive passing plays and nine explosive running plays. I already talked about the Bears have given up both in both areas. So I think it's this is going to be a crucial game where you want you want Cleveland to have to drive the length of the field. Gives them more opportunities to have maybe some penalties to screw up, maybe have that turnover, which Cleveland has done, you know, four times this season. So limit explosive passing plays make Cleveland have to really drive down the entire field to score those points. All right. Now let's take it one step further. We looked at some macros. We're getting into the micros and let's get really micro right now. And let's look at your backbreaking matchups here this week. And Nick, you have offense. What is going to be the matchup on offense that could end up breaking the Bears back? I think it's it has to be Jason Peters versus Miles Garrett. And, you know, Miles Garrett hasn't hit home like maybe Browns fans have expected him to. But like Mason was saying earlier, he's been close. And I think Jason Peters has shown that he's been maybe better than we were all anticipating, given that he wasn't even – you know, he was fishing not too long ago, right? But he did dislocate his finger, and he seems to be all right. But I think if Miles Garrett is able to have his way with a future Hall of Famer, which hopefully isn't the case, that's only going to make life a lot more difficult for, for Justin Fields. And what maybe the Bears want to do, push that ball downfield, you don't have you can't have time to do that if Miles Garrett is right there. So I think this is a backbreaking matchup that if Miles Garrett wins this one consistently – then we can really have a problem. One question on that, because I feel like you had two and you may be battling heading into the show which one to take. Is there a reason why you chose that one over Clowney versus Effetti? Because both of them are a little worrisome, but is it just is it Garrett's uh, being a little bit better or is it the Peters matchup specifically? I just want to know what was the deciding factor there. For me, it was just Garrett. Garrett's a better player than than Clowney, and that's why Clowney has been kind of bouncing around, and you know hasn't been as consistent. We Garrett is up there with just I think in the realm of those Cleo Mac type of players, and he just needs to show it as consistently because he's definitely capable of it. So that's why I lean more towards his side okay. than than more uh, Clowney's way. Thank you. I just I knew um, if I was doing this one, I would have maybe flipped a coin, pulled a Robert Quinn uh, on that one to figure out which one I would have said on the show. But your rationale had a little bit more strategic thought uh, behind it. Mason, you have defense. What's going to be the backbreaking matchup of the week over there? I'm going to go outside the box a little bit on this one. And we, we know the run game is what it is and all that stuff. But with having Landry out, the Browns need to figure out another way to use their screen game and get those extension of the run, essentially. And to me, I'm going to look at Demetric Felton versus Duke Shelley. Uh, Demetric Felton was one of my pre-draft darlings before, you know, Quill Herbert got drafted and I fell in love with him because, uh, of course, got to keep it home, homeward bound. But Felton has two receptions for 51 yards, so nothing crazy, but one of which was a 33-yard screen pass for a touchdown. He just has this juice to him, and I can absolutely see Stefanski deciding, hey, we're going to attack that slot, and why don't we put someone that's just a pure athlete? You know, he's not a running back. He's not a wide receiver. He's both. It's basically their version of Tariq Cohen. Why not put the ball in his hands? And even if he only gets one or two of those explosive plays like Nick was talking about, all of a sudden you're potentially flipping the field. And that's the difference between a win and a loss. Right on. Really good stuff there for your back-breaking matchup on defense. And, guys, we talked about both sides of the ball, everything that you need to know before a kickoff. But let's make things official. 
we need to find out who has the edge. And it's been two weeks of clean sweeps almost for this Bears team. And that means being swept against. Uh, but I think things may be slightly different. We'll find out. That's up to you two uh, to decide. So let's go with the Bears rushing offense versus that Browns run defense. And I want to go to Mason first. I'm going to give it to the Bears on this one. I just think that when you, because now you have to expand what Bears rushing offense means, because it's not just Montgomery anymore. It's now Justin Fields too. And we saw that he had, I believe it was 10 runs. A couple of those were kneel downs or two or three of them, but he was able to get first downs with his legs. He was able to move the chains with his legs. You bring in a Montgomery also, who is playing very well. Yes. The yardage wasn't there necessarily last week, but that was also just game flow and things like that. were a little funky. I don't, I'm we're more worried about the pass rush of the Browns versus what their ability to truly stop the run. So when you bring in all those things and again, fields, as he says, was built for this. He's been doing this RPO stuff, which we're hoping they're going to do on Sunday forever. It, this is just what he's done. You know, reading that defensive end outside linebacker is that key pulling the ball, knowing when to hand it off. I, I, I'm going to give it to the bears. All right, Nick, how about you? Bears passing offense with Justin Fields in his first start. Versus that Browns pass defense. Look, the Bears have missed some opportunities in the passing game. But I truly do believe it's going to be better in Justin Fields' first start. And Cleveland's secondary, we talked about it. In the defense that they have there, that's where they're that's where they're vulnerable. So I like the Bears in this one for their passing attack. If you would ask me the first one, I would have had the Bears too. So we're two for two right now. Yeah, we are. Two for two. I'm feeling really good about that. Let's go over the defense, though. Still some st- tough tests here for this Bears team. And let's go back to Nick. Bears run defense versus that Browns rushing attack. Uh, one of the best in the league right now, if not the best. I think this is going to be a really, really good matchup. And we talked Eddie Goldman's coming back and Mario Edwards. But I'm giving it to the Browns. You have two guys that are capable of running the ball, and they do it so often. By the time this game is over, Cleveland's still gonna. You're gonna look in the the stat column. Cleveland's gonna have their rushing yards, and probably their their yards per carry is gonna look pretty good too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lean that way. But I think this is gonna be a really good matchup to watch. All right, and Mason to wrap things up. That Bears pass defense versus that Browns passing attack with Baker Mayfield playing that efficient football. No Jarvis Landry, but you do get Odell Beckham Jr. back this week. Which way does it go? I think I'm going to surprise people and give the edge to the Bears, actually, on this Homer. one. I, that's what every, everyone's <laughs> going to say that 100%. 100 and I get why. And I, when, I, we, when I started this week, I was totally flipped the other way. But as I thought about it, and I thought OBJ coming back off an ACL, it's just he might get one play because he's amped up. And, you know, Baker's like, I'm, you know, we're going to hit a home run on this one, something of that nature. But that's nothing to scoff at. Right. We I read you the stats for Allen Robinson, who came off an ACL. I've had two myself. You're not you're not right after until about a, two years out. And when you after you get past OBJ with Landry out, who's scared of a Donovan Peoples Jones? Hold on. Wait, let me. Who's who's scared? I'm not. I'm not. Who's scared of a Rashard Higgins? Like, I'm just not too worried about those people for the most part. And so and then when you look at Baker, too, I just I've said this multiple times. I just get these feelings of vikings cousins he can win with him but not because of him yes they've been playing very efficient but it's been such a heavy lean on the run and 
for whatever reason, when you put a Bears defense over the last couple of years against a team that's known that like, we're going to run the ball on you, they've stepped up and been able to stop it. Okay, I like that you mentioned the stats that you referenced earlier in the show about coming off an ACL. I think the most damning, though, would be Baker's completion percentage with versus without Odell Beckham Jr. too. And I said it, Baker has the highest per- completion percentage in the league right now. But with Beckham Jr. back, do does that old bad habit come back into play where he's forcing it a little bit more to his number one wide receiver? And, and as a result, will that offense suffer because of it? Because bad habits, they are hard to break for a reason. I would have a hunch that if he's out there, maybe you were trying it. Or, you know, they're forcing it just a little bit too bit. So that is another really good one there, Mason. But let's go ahead and get into some predictions now and let's play some of one of our favorite games and that is over under maybe there it is (laughs) it decided to pop up and disappear it's like no give me one more second but usually these come from our sports book sponsor uh bet us but weirdly and i think this is like a justin fields effect the bears like the only game that don't have player props right now uh (laughs) like every other game i can look at every player this game uh nothing so i feel like they don't know what to expect with justin so they're kind of keeping those off the books so i made some up here today i got three on uh, let's start with justin fields guys i'm going to set the mark for his passing yards. so over under 250 passing yards from justin fields in his first career start uh the browns are allowing about 278 per game if i remember correctly i didn't put it here in my notes but if my memory serves correctly somewhere uh, around there just for reference and mason i go to you first over under I'm going to say under primarily because I think there's still going to be a good amount of yards gotten on the ground, whether you're talking about from a Montgomery or by fields himself. Uh, And that's going to eat into that. And I can't confidently say that Nagy's going to use Justin the way that we just talked about it in terms of, you know, his deep ball accuracy. Is he going to let him go bombs away? Or is he going to be worried like, oh, no, this is the first official start. Let's get, you know, these weird, terrible routes that only go five yards, you know. And Justin has even said uh, when he looked at some of these plays, like, that's where I was told I'm supposed to go. Like he said, I can't remember which play exactly it was regarding, but that that was essentially what he said. So, you know, that's a big part of it. So that might cut into that number. All right. Uh, Nick, how about you? Are you going to take the over or under? It seemed like you were agreeing with Mason over there. I wanted to say that, but just to be different, I'll go over the 250 because they light it up and throw the ball downfield. They were they were doing that against Cincinnati. They just didn't capitalize and make those catches. So um, despite being his first start on the road in Cleveland, the Matt Nagy just says, let's air it out, and he gets over 250. <laughs> love it. Uh, would love to see that happen. Uh, the next over under, uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. 70 rushing yards for David Montgomery. I'll go over, but it's like 75. I think he's going to be a little bit more involved in the the passing game. That's been an area where David Montgomery hasn't had as much of an impact, but I'll go over that 70 and give him around 75. Mason, how about you? Remember, this defense has not allowed it back to top 43 yards so far this season, but they also have not faced a David Montgomery. I'm going to say under for this one. Nothing against David Montgomery, but I just feel like, like you said, you know, they may do what essentially we're saying the Bears should do. Well, stop the run, make Justin Fields beat you. He hasn't, we don't know what he can do yet. So, you know, for, and like I said earlier, Justin Fields is going to get his yardage on the ground as well. Is Damian Williams going to 
get more carries to get spell Monty for in theory of long season. All those are going to factor in. And so hitting that high of a number might be a little tough. All right. And then the final over under here for this week three preview, uh, 1.5 rushing touchdown surrendered by this bears defense. Again, Brown's really good at rushing that football once they're inside of the red zone. Heck, just in general, but uh, I think you get my point. Let's go to Mason first. You can take the over or under on that. I'm going to take the over, and it's more about the lack of confidence in them actually being able to throw the ball in the red zone than truly being anything negative necessarily against the Bears' run defense. Once they get in the red zone, they're just going to try to pound, pound the rock as much as they can and force themselves in there. All right, and Nick, wrap things up. Are you going to take the over or under on that one? I'll go over. I think out of the nine touchdowns the Browns have this season, seven are rushing. So I'm going to go with the Browns, and they're going to continue that on Sunday. All right, let's jump into our bold predictions, and then we're going to follow it up with a different prediction that we've never made here uh, on the show before. So stick around for that. But my bold prediction for this matchup, Roquan Smith is going to have another pick six. Two weeks in a row a pick six for Roquan this time though he's going to remember not to throw that football in the stands because I don't think he's going to get it back from the dog pound like he was able to get it back from the Bears fan this week so that's going to be my bold prediction Nick how about you what's going to be your bold prediction this week again these are low bars for my bold predictions but none of them happen uh Cole Komet has an explosive passing reception and he gets his first touchdown of the season again it, it yeah, is it tough? A little bit, but I think it's doable. These are not the craziest bold predictions I've, I've had on this show before. No, <laughs> you've had some weird ones, but that's that's what uh, I keep you around for. But even the realistic <laughs> ones, it is sad, though, when you have to be like, player one gets one explosive play and a touchdown, and we're still having a hard time like hitting some of those uh, lower marks. But Mason, over to you. What's going to be your bold prediction this week? So mine's similar to Nick's. I have, again, I have two. I keep doing one on offense, one on defense. This is just too fun to pick them. But my offensive one, Cole Komet leads the team in receiving yards. I think he's going to get an explosive play, but then he's going to have that Jesper Horstead type game that happened in the preseason where Justin finds him for a couple of those catches down the field. Um, and for my defensive one, I say that the Browns, so the Browns have had 153 and 15 rush yards as a team, and 156, excuse me, rush yards as a team in weeks one and weeks two, respectfully. So mine is that the Bears will hold the Browns below 100 yards as a team. Whoa. Ooh, like that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and bold, brash, and to the point. Uh, so the la- next one we need to do here, guys, is a not so bold prediction. I forgot who said it in the chat last week, and I apologize. I wrote it down on my paper pad during the show that we should maybe do that one pass over to the guys here while i was at work today we're going to do it i'll give you credit next week for putting it in the chat i just need to find the exact marker uh, in the episode but i like the idea of going bold and then not so bold so my not so bold prediction aka a more realistic one i want to say justin fields will have three total touchdowns uh, two passing one rushing uh, the browns have given up one rushing touchdown to a quarterback in each game so far this year and fields had a couple touchdowns that were dropped last week so i feel like three is very much uh on the table uh, if you want to go back to an off-season phrase so mason over to you what's going to be your not so bold prediction yeah name of the game not so bold so i definitely uh cut in half essentially what i did in the bold predictions <laughs> so 
for my offensive one, Justin Fields will contribute two touchdowns, one passing and one rushing. <laughs> so, I, so unfortunately, I, you just overshot me just a little bit on that one. And on defense, I have the Bears will force two turnovers this game. I don't think that's necessarily all that bold considering what we saw last week. Also, when you pressure Baker, when you take away that run game, he, he'll throw the ball to you. It's just a matter of do you catch it? Are you in the right spot? And for whatever reason, again, just I keep saying it. This just reminds me of the Vikings. And it seems like every time we play the Vikings, they we force Dalvin Cook in a fumble, who is a pretty shorthanded guy. So I'm thinking that there's also going to be a fumble on a rush that we will recover. Right on. Nick, how about you? What What's going to be your first ever not-so-bold prediction? Right on time. Perfect. Yes, I was able to find the stats from Marquise Goodwin in the 2018 season. He scored his first touchdown in Week 3. It is Week 3 this season, you guys. Marquise Goodwin scores his first touchdown as a Bear in this game. Wonderful. Good stuff there. Guys, we just have a few more things to do, and the first thing is deciding who we believe will be the most valuable bear come that final whistle. Nick, who do you think the week three MVB will be? And are we all going to just say who we want it to be? Because we all have a little smirk on our face. So I think I know how this is about to go. If the bears want to win this game, paddle Donald has to have a hell of a game (laughs) for the bears to win. No, it's Justin Fields. It has to be Justin Fields, you guys. Um, Just again, I think how we're, we're kind of talking here. We think he's clearly capable. This is not too big of a moment for him. But by the end of it all, Justin Fields will be the primary reason why the Bears are in position to win this game. So I'm going with Justin Fields. I will second Justin Fields for every reason you said and then some. Uh, He is, again, he's never lost a game in, in that state. As you mentioned, the moment's not too big for him. And I'll mention something I said earlier in the top. He's had a whole week of practice with the ones. He's been able to exponentially, due to the limited time, grow his experience and his chemistry with the starters compared to even what it was a week ago. Uh, again, I still think that's a disservice as the Bears kind of gave him throughout the preseason and training camp, but better late than never. I'm glad that he's able to kind of get some of those reps, and I bet you, knowing Justin like I do, you know, the, the kid that never makes the same mistake twice, the player that always bounces back a little bit better than we saw him the previous time out there on the field, I think with practice, there's going to be a, a night and day type of difference from fields, which, if that's the case, and we already saw some great glimpses a week ago, just wait and see. So, fields for me, Mason, are you going to be a little different, or are you just going to make this a clean sweep? Clean sweep. If you get a chance, definitely watch that documentary that's on YouTube. One thing that I pulled from it that I thought was really interesting, you know, Justin Fields keeps saying, I'm built for this. He has all the confidence in the world. You see that and you feel it. But there was a moment in there uh, where he, when he transferred from Georgia to Ohio State, and I believe they said they moved in on a Saturday, and he called, texted his parents on a Monday saying, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I should be here. You know, I want to go back. And, you know, they were like, give it a week, give it two weeks, you know, see what's going to happen. And he overcame that meant that mental hurdle, that adversity that was presented to him. And I think he's going to do the same thing this week. He had some adversity last week. He hasn't played that. It wasn't even poorly, honestly, but he hasn't played like that in a long time. And if I had to put money on it, if there was some crazy futures bet, I think that pass rate, that pass rate and that QBR he had is probably the lowest he'll have in his entire career. I don't think he's ever going to get that low again because he, like you said, will learn from his mistakes and he's going to push to do what he can. So, Justin Fields is going to be the MVP from here on out until he retires as the best quarterback ever. We're going to have like 
the non-fields MVP prediction. Yeah, at one point in this podcast tenure, I can just see it coming already. But yeah, with fields, it's not just that ability to bounce back and overcome. It's really that confidence that still has me like all struck. Like he is someone that I don't think will ever get you know beaten down. Uh, his confidence will ever get shaken. I think he does genuinely believe in himself 110%, and that's going to just bode so well for himself and this Bears offense and this team's future going down. There's no situation too big for him. A bad drive, a bad series, a bad quarter, a bad half, it doesn't matter. He's going to find a way to shrug it off and move on. And that's why I'm just very excited. Uh, you know, as good as I felt or as happy as I felt with the Trubisky debut, right? Having a first round quarterback in my lifetime since Rex Grossman to make his first Bears official start. This one's like a thousand times more exciting for uh, a bunch of reasons. But let's go ahead and let's figure out who's going to win this game. Time for our official game picks. So, Nick, you and I are both 2-0. Mason is 1-1. One should we let Mason go first, or do you want to kick things off, or is it me? It's you. Let's go All with right. Woo, put me on the spot. So, uh, luckily, I've done a few guest spots for other podcasts this week, and I'm keeping my bold, pred- my bold prediction, my game pick exactly uh, where I've had it all week. I have the Bears winning 24-21, uh, a little upset on the road this week. I think Justin Fields will step in be able to take charge. The Bears will be able to utilize this offense to his strengths, and we're going to see a little bit more of a dynamic attack against a defense that I know we can make plays against. And then on the other side of the ball, this Bears defense with a guy like an Eddie Goldman back, with a guy like a Mario Edwards Jr. back, and just that general trend uh, where I saw that defense from week one to week two, I'm expecting yet another step forward, and it's going to be a tight game regardless, but I think the Bears will be on the right side of things uh, when it's all said and done. So 24-21, good guys, and Justin Fields is 1-0 as a starter in the NFL. Nick, you're up. So I'm calling an audible here. I have, I don't know what, what it was that made me change my mind, but I'm going with the Browns in this game. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns, keeping the same exact score, 24-23. It's going to be it's going to be close the entire way. And it's nothing on Justin Fields. I think from this game we see exactly what we want to see, but Cleveland realistically, they should be 2 and 0. They should have beat the Chiefs in week 1. There was a muff punt and a fumble by Nick Chubb, things you don't usually see that really put that game in favor for the Chiefs. There you go. Do it. Do it. It'll put me at 3-0 and in the wins and loss column, but I'm going with the Browns. And this is on the fly. I had Bears in here. And, yeah, put me upside down. 24-23 Browns, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I do I too. I feel like I'm upside down too, like here in my seat, which is so – so weird <laughs> yeah no you're definitely going to go black and white uh if you i know you guys don't watch big brother but i do that means you're out of the game so no longer there nick and i don't know upside down because you flipped my world upside down because i was very confident you're going to go bears but you flipped it because you wanted to be different you think you're going to be able to take a game on me and it's not going to happen mason it's your turn to gain a game on nick you going to do it First of all, I want an asterisk next to my one in the loss column. That was, again, the Bears Kool-Aid, so I'm going to need that thrown on there like by the season's end. But when you look at what we've seen in the past, like you mentioned when Mitch came in, like there's such an emotional shift. And that was with Mitch Trubisky, who is not the same kind of leader, who is not the same athlete, who's not the same football player that Justin Fields is. And ultimately, when you have that, I think that the rest of the team is really going to step up, which is why 
And if you ask me in the preseason, if you ask me week one, I was going to pick Browns. I mean, but then, Jar- you know, if Jarvis Landry is out and you have Odell Beckham back, but again, this was the first game he's back. All of those things, which has led me to say the Bears will win 31 to 24. They finally break the 30 point mark. I'm still, see, I thought I was going crazy when I thought they can break the 20 mark. I just, I look at this Browns defense and I'm not scared by a lot of it. I mean, I'm concerned about the, you know, Miles Garrett because everyone should be. He's a terrifying human being. But besides that, I mean, there's nothing that you're, there's a a rookie cornerback out there. They have a safety that missed an entire year. And I just, they don't know what Justin's going to do. And yes, Nick had mentioned that they should have beat the Chiefs, but they should have. But they also were down 14-7 to against the Tyrod Taylor-led Texans, which I'm a huge Tyrod Taylor fan. I think he just, you know, has the worst things happen at the worst moments. Specifically, you know, he actually yeah. he got hurt and then benched for Baker Mayfield, which is, you know, ironic. But then he, they, and they, they beat them, but it wasn't like I was – you almost – you're on the path to lose the Texans. Like, are you really going to stop? Are you, am I that confident you're going to stop Justin? Nah, not right now. And this Bears offense with an Andy Dalton didn't move the ball against the Rams defense. They just – could not capitalize on their, you know, once they got into opponent's territory. Uh, so there are reasons for optimism. And when you mentioned a Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor injury, Mason, I bet you that's what the guys uh, from the Browns podcast meant about us trying to replicate their quarterback situation from a couple years Ooh. ago. It just dawned okay. on me when you mentioned that. We never that asked him. I still need to ask him, but that does make uh, a little bit more sense. That's a Total aside, we need to do some confidence meters and wrap up. This show's going a little long here. So, Nick, over to you first. Where's your confidence meter since, you know, you, you did it wrong? <laughs> I did it wrong. Um, I'm at like a – so I'm leaving the same here. It's like a 5.6 that the Browns will win, the Bears will lose. It would have been the exact same way had I had, you know, the Bears winning this. This is it's going to be, I think, a close game. Uh, but the Browns are – they're a playoff team. They're not – that old perception of the Browns, I think it's gone in a way. This is a team that has a lot of pieces on there. They're playing at home. And I think that is going to be why they win. But like I said, 5.4 for my confidence meter. We'll see what happens there. Like you said, 5.6, it's dropping. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm more and more losing confidence in the pick, but it's, it's, it's done. So 5.2? 5. 5. 5. Oh, it went up a little bit. Jeez. There we go. It's like the stock market. You just can't keep up with that thing. I'm at about a 6.5, personally. Uh, again, there's some serious tests, uh, but it's weird because there were times when we were doing this podcast, Nick, where you and I would be on here and be like, okay, here we go again. Like, this team's going to blow us out, or it's going to be a game where the Bears just lose it. Or I'm, I don't know if it's just the early part of the season, but and every team's giving us new challenges, but it's like kind of invigorating and it gets me excited to see how will this Bears team stack up. Uh, so I went through this whole episode mentioning all the reasons why uh, I'm concerned, but also some reasons why I do have some optimism that the Bears can overcome uh, these challenges. Maybe not completely, um, but enough to win this thing uh, at the end of the day. Uh, if I know anything from watching this Bears team for my entire life, this game's going to be very close. It's going to come down to the final minutes. And I expect this Bears team to be in the thick of it. And it may be who has that ball last. And if Justin Fields has that football in his hands with, you know, just a little bit of time left on the clock, I put my money that he can will this team to victory. So that's going to be my confidence meter. Uh, Mason, wrap things up with yours. For all the reasons I already said, I am at a 7.8. Whoa. It's just one of those things where you see it all the time in the NFL that, there's a quarterback switch, especially with a younger younger guy, something like that. And 
you just don't know what's going to be coming at you. I mean, you have his college tape and you have some plays from the preseason and then, you know, the game against the Bengals, but you don't really know what that's going to look like. So how ready is this Brown team even going to be for a Justin Fields-esque offense? And like I said, there's just something electric. There's an emotional component that's going to be on this and you can ride that wave. And as this week has gone on, I've just gotten more and more confident with, like, with it. As you add in that the fact that Eddie Goldman might be back, we know that an Edward, you know, Mario Edwards is back. That's going to bolster that run defense that has been up and down a little bit overall. And at the end of the day, too, when you see what the guys have said in these press conferences recently, like, you know, there's just there's this aspect to it. We have a Jason Peters that talks as highly about Justin Fields as he did, a guy that's been around as long as he is a pro bowler. You know, you got something going there. So there's there's going to ride this wave to that 7.8 confidence win. Yeah, there's something to be said about a spark of a change. And, you know, we've seen some sparks like last year with some quarterback changes, but I don't think anything is going to live up to the magnitude of what spark Justin Fields can provide this offense, this team, and the city of Chicago. Nick, any final thoughts to wrap things up? I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I just I want everyone do. to know, I know that. You do. <laughs> I, I hope I'm wrong. But um, this is going to be a really entertaining game, um, and we're, we're really going to see what this Bears team is capable of against, like I said, a Browns team that I expect will be in the playoffs. But, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. That's all I'm going to end it with. Oh, man. Mason, do you have any parting words before I close shop? It is, it is really hard doing this and not being a homer for a lot of this stuff because you just see the positives, you see the silver linings, and – the emotion, it does get you, you know, uh, in that press box, when Justin Fields walked out, it was the wave that went through it. It, it was crazy. You know, it's like, where's Andy Dalton? Oh, he's, he went to the blue medical tent and Justin has his helmet. It's just, it's hard to not to get wrapped up in it. But with a game like this, like I said, I just, you can just see it spiraling poorly for the Browns who I, yes, they made the playoffs last year, but it, they're still the Browns to me in my heart of hearts. They're the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I think the next time that Bears fans listen to us, if things go how I think it'll go, it'll just be you, Nick, and Mason for the postgame show here on Sunday. My kids football game is smack dab in the middle of the Bears game at 145 uh, Eastern. So right around the time that first quarter ends, I'll be watching some uh, youth football, uh, root my kid on, see if he can improve to two and one. Although I, I may want that secret link so I can maybe pop on so we can talk some Justin Fields too, because it's so <laughs> hard not to, I don't know, want to be on, you know, to break it down good, bad, or otherwise, even if I didn't see any. I just want to hear what you guys are saying and just be part of the fun to, to be on the post game show after Justin's first start. But uh, if I'm not on it, uh, I know you guys are going to run the ship uh, very well. And it's an away game, so we have to, we're going to go back to our immediate uh, kind of post-game show atmosphere, which I'm sure everyone's excited for. And who knows, if I get to catch some of the game on one of my devices, uh, I can at least contribute something to the table instead of saying, <laughs> yeah, I saw it on Game Pass. This line went really far. It must have been a great play. Like uh, Outside of that, I feel like that would be my level of analysis if I can't find a way to watch the game uh, in time for you all. But, Nick, you excited to run the show Sunday? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll fun. be fun. Yeah, we'll do some testing here after this recording, and uh, we'll be all squared away there uh, one way or the other. But I want to thank everyone who tuned into this show, uh, whether it be here in a live stream, uh, watching a replay, or to any of the thousands of listeners of the podcast around the globe. We really do appreciate each 
and every one of you. If you haven't yet, please rate, review, or show over on Apple Podcasts. That helps us reach more Bears fans like us, like you, as well as uh, potential sponsors. Uh, look at Breaking Tea. A new one that just came in here earlier today. So, again, next time you hear from us, we'll be immediately after the final whistle, after Justin Fields' first career start. We'll be talking about a 2-1 and Bears team that is on the rise or not. And will Nick be wrong? We all hope so. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.